So, but you guys have picked a great day to be here doing church with us. We're going to be wrapping up a sermon series that we started three weeks ago already. And so we are going to finish up Four Hearts, part three today. Y'all say it with me, Four Hearts. And so I'm excited to dive deeper. I hope y'all have been learning and growing from this message. I know it's really challenged me and just to really keep my heart as open as possible to always just receiving what God wants to give me and open to his leadership and just trying to always stay as open as possible. That's a challenge, you know, if we're really honest. And so it's really challenged me. And so I'm excited to dive deeper. As we've kicked this off, we, we're, we've been using Mark chapter 4, and we're going to read it here in a moment. But we, we really see that Jesus is teaching and pre- preaching about the value of God's word, Right? The value of God's word is what sets us free, but the, the value of God's word as the seed is what God wants to deposit into us, into our lives and into our hearts. And the condition of our lives, did you know, is actually a reflection of the condition of your heart. And so if my life is really good, if I'm walking in the full joy of, of God, the full joy of Jesus Christ, the full peace, the full provision, If things come at me and you know what, I don't lose my cool because I trust in Jesus. If my life is awesome and I can enjoy my life, it's probably because you have a good heart. You're allowing God to do a spiritual work in your heart. If my life's a mess, if I'm depressed, if no one likes to be around me, if I'm angry, if I'm prideful, if I'm selfish, all these things, my life's a reflection of the condition of my heart. So my life's messed up because my heart's messed up. In Mark 4, Jesus never even actually says the word heart, but he's talking about our lives and our heart. He's using a comparison for God's word, the seed, somebody say seed, and the soil in which that seed is planted. That soil is your and my heart. He says, the condition of the soil of your life is what's going to bear the fruit or it's not going to bear the fruit. Isn't that an amazing statement? Because God's word always perfects what it's out to perform. But I can slow down God's progress in my life based upon the condition of my heart. Do you see that? So your dirt matters. (laughs) What kind of dirt do you got today? Let's read Mark 4 and read about some of the types of dirt. We said there's four, there's four types of hearts. We have a, a hard heart, a base, according to Mark 4. We have a shallow heart. We have a crowded heart and an open heart. Who can guess what heart we should have? Right, an open heart. But look at verse 13. And for context and for time's sake, we're only reading 13 through 20. As we kick this off, if you want to dive deeper and do some of your own study, you really need to start in verse 1 and read all the way through verse 20 as Jesus teaches and preaches. But for time's sake, we're just going to read these seven verses. So it says there in verse 13, Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? He's saying this is important. If you can't get this, you're not going to get the rest. Right? He says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word which is the seed, right, to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come and steal it away at once. The seed that fell on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But, somebody say but. But. 
since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecution for believing God's word. The seed that fell on among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. Jesus is teaching and preaching about four types of soil. A footpath, that represents a hard heart. Is your heart a hard place because it's become a footpath? It's been trampled on over and over and over and over again. And your hurt, we said, behind a hard heart is a hurt. Somebody's heart is hard because there's a hurt that they're trying to mask and disguise and Everybody else can see it but them. And so I hope you're not in a hard place, but if you are, I get it. I understand because I've been there too. I'm a pastor, but I ain't perfect. I've been hurt. So I hope you're not in a hard place, but the, the footpath. He said then there's the rocky soil. It's really a shallow soil because the, the roots of God's word, the seed, can't go deep. And so we talked about the hard heart and the shallow heart last week. If you missed those messages, I got good news for you. It's super easy to watch them. You just get on our social media pages and you can watch everything we discussed. But we covered that last week, the hard heart and the shallow heart. And for today, I'm excited. We're going to talk about the crowded. Mm, somebody say, mm. I believe that's where we are as a culture. The crowded heart, and we're going to talk about the open heart. And a crowded heart is really an amazing thing if you begin to think about how we will store all sorts of things that don't matter in God's place. What God says is my place, and we'll put this there, and we'll put that there, and we'll pile some of this over here, there. So look, look at that first point for today. The third type of heart we're going to talk about is the crowded heart. The thorny soil, where Jesus said, as we just read, where all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire of other things. It's crowded out and no fruit is produced. Right? A person living this way is distracted by worry, wealth, and selfish desires. The soil of their heart is so crowded with other things, there's no room for the seed of God's word to fully take root and find nourishment. The crowded heart is a distracted heart. A crowded heart is a heart that needs to be purged. <laughs> the Lord gave me a visual this week as I was praying, studying, preparing for today. <clears throat> he said, this is what a lot of people's hearts look like. Who has a garage? Just a couple of you. I wish we had a garage. <laughs> But, and, and let me share this before I share that. The Lord showed me, you know, the enemy is always out to pervert what God wants to do, right? He tries to recreate what God does and, and masking it and disguising it. So God wants to fill your heart. He wants you to have a full heart. But the enemy disguises fullness with crowding. 
we crowd our hearts because we're really empty, but we, try to, we, tr- we know subconsciously we're trying to fill our lives, but, but the only thing I can fill it is, is Jesus and the presence of God. But, so I crowded, I, I covered up with all these other things. And the Lord said, though, every, not everyone, a lot of people's hearts look like a, a garage that is just, just needs to be purged. Maybe your garage needs to be purged today. It's full of boxes. It's a, it's a two-car garage. You ever seen a two-car garage? There's boxes and spider webs and just junk and stuff everywhere. You can't, you can't even fit a car in there. Now, you can look at that garage and say, that garage is full. And you'd be sort of right. It's full, right? But really, it's crowded because the garage can't fulfill its purpose. Because your garage is supposed to store your stuff neatly, organized, have its place, and so you can park your car in there. And so the enemy wants to cr- for you to crowd your heart with all sorts of junk. Hurts, offense, jam-pack your schedules, your life of, of this and that, and you're running and you're going and you're trying to please this person, please that person, like this on Facebook, like that on Instagram. You're trying to do all this stuff, and God wants to fill your heart, and you've crowded your heart, and you can't live in the purpose that God has for you because your heart's really empty. The enemy's got you thinking you've got a full heart, but you've got a crowded heart. And God wants you to purge that today. Can you have the guts to let the Holy Spirit come in and do a spring cleaning today? I know we're in winter now. But say, God, what needs to go? Does this relationship need to go? We need to love people, but you know what? You better guard your heart. So maybe there's some bad relationships need purging. Maybe there's some things that we're watching and listening to that need to be purged. Maybe there's some false lies that I've believed and held on to that God says, this is a lie from the pit of hell, and you're believing it, and you're living it out, and until that goes, I'm not number one. A crowded heart is a distracted heart. Look at that next point. And looking back on this, I really wish we would have done this as we read this next point. We should have done this week one. <laughs> and so as we're talking through this message, talking about our hearts, you got to know that your heart's a spiritual place. And our heart is actually, it's three things. It's your mind, your will, and emotions. Did you know that? Your heart is, is a spiritual place. It's, it's part of the soul realm, that point says. We, we have to recognize that, right? Our hearts are compromised. They're not compromised. They are compromised if we don't uh, allow Jesus to be number one, but they're comprised of our mind, will, and emotions. Whatever consumes your thoughts, influences your will, and stirs your emotions and these behaviors control the soil of our hearts. So did you know that? That your heart is comprised of three things. Your mind, your will, and emotions. So if my mind is crowded with all sorts of negative thoughts, am I going to live a fruitful life? No. That's part of my heart. My heart, according to Scripture, is part of my mind. They're connected. So we need to be renewed, it says, right, by the transforming of our minds into the image of Christ. <clears throat> we need to have his thought. You need to have his thoughts about you before you start your day. You need to meet with God before you meet with people. <laughs> Did you know that? You need to have his thoughts not just about you but about others. 
And see, when I let, give him permission to flood my mind with his thoughts, he floods my heart. Then he, he stirs my emotions. And guess what? We let emotions dictate our lives. <laughs> we let emotions dictate our lives, dictate our tongues. So God wants to flood your mind Love your heart. He wants to stir your emotions with good godly things. With real love for your neighbor. With real character in the kingdom of God. To be the best employee wherever you work. Real authentic love of a parent. And stirs our minds and stirs our hearts. Then he changes our wills. And this is why it's so important. Because when I don't let God lead my life. Guess what leads my life? Me. And if I'm not careful, I'll say I believe in Jesus, but I'm really building Ian's kingdom. Because Ian's will is what's driving the ship. I want this. I want this faster. I think I know the correct way to do this or that. <clears throat> and so God wants to saturate our hearts by saturating our mind, our wills, and our emotions. This is what I know about a crowded heart. If, if we don't let God fill it and we crowd it ourselves or let the enemy lie to us and have him help us crowd it with other things that don't belong there, a crowded heart is a corrupted heart. And a corrupted heart can only produce sin. Say that word with me, sin. A lot of churches aren't even saying that word anymore. And so we got to be very careful and honest. God is, am I saying I have a good heart, but my actions don't reflect what I profess that I have? I say my heart's good, but I don't love others. I judge others. I live a sarcastic life. I make fun of others. I talk bad about others. I gossip about others. Secretly, I, I celebrate when someone else is going through something hard. A crowded heart has become a corrupted heart. We said that the condition of our lives is a reflection of our hearts. And so you might be able to fool others for a while, but on the inside, who's the one dying? You. You. And all you got to do is say, God, purge my life. Purge my heart of these, these evil thoughts, these sinful thoughts, these evil habits and behaviors. God, purge my heart, stir my mind, stir my emotions, stir my will. Because if we're not careful, we will live a sinful life. Look at Genesis 4-7. Who's ever heard the story of Cain and Abel? Brothers. Right? They both brought, brought gifts to God, and God found favor over Abel because he brought a gift of faith. Well, Cain didn't bring a gift of faith. God still loved them both the same, but you got to see that Cain was stirred by what? Well, he was prideful and angry, but he was stirred by his thoughts, stirred by emotions, and ultimately stirred his will to kill, somebody say kill, his brothers. His brother, if you 
allow the enemy to guide your life, you'll do things you, you, you thought you never could do. Never say never. Oh, I'd never do that. Mm. And the enemy's probably like, hmm. Look what it says. Genesis 4, 7. It says, you will be accepted if you do. Somebody say do. If you do what is right. At the end of the day, we got to believe what is true and do what is right. How simple. Write that down. That was for free. We need to believe what is true and do what is right. But he says, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin, there's that word, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. That's what the enemy wants to do. And as long as you've vacated spaces in your heart, your mind, your will, and your emotions for him to stay scot-free, rent-free, guess what? He's not going to leave. And he's going to control your life. He says, but you must subdue it and be its master. A crowded heart is controlled by sinful behaviors. The enemy wants to disguise a full heart by a crowded heart, getting you distracted, getting you doing this, getting you doing that. You got 10 fires going at once. You're distracted. You're crowding everything. You're not putting God number one. So a crowded heart is controlled by sinful behavior, sinful actions. God wants to give us a full heart. The enemy wants to control you. God, he doesn't want to control you. Did you know that? He wants to influence you. You know, there's a difference. When you're controlled, you don't have a choice. Guess what? Every day you wake up and you can say, I'm going to serve God or I'm not. He will never infringe on your right to choose him or other things. The enemy wants you bound to sin for it to control you. And being a former addict to all sorts of things, anybody ever been through addiction? Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Look at those hands. God bless you. You can remember how you used to live, right? After a while, you don't have a choice. And so if you continue along this path, just allowing a hard heart, a shallow heart, a crowded heart to, to lead and guide your life, sin will just control you. God wants you to invite him in so that he can fill your heart and then begin to influence by his word, the seed of his word, to begin to change your mind. Change your mind, your emotions, and your will by relationship. I used to think all sorts of things about myself that were all lies from the pit of hell. And I lived it long enough and believed it long enough and lived in that negative space long enough that I, I actually adorned it. You know what that means? I, I put it on like clothes. And I thought that's who I was. And guess what? That didn't just change overnight. Can I get an amen? Uh, that thought process of being influenced by what God says, being influenced by what God thinks of me, and being influenced by other Christian relationships. Before I knew it, I was like, you know what? I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus' name. You know what? I can get my driver's license back. You know what? Maybe there is a woman out there that will love and care for me and honor me and not cheat on me. Right? Maybe I can have a family. Maybe I can have a good job. Maybe I can have all the other things that Billy Bob and Linda Lou across the street have. You can have those things if you allow God to move in, purge your heart, and transform your life. 
Transform your mind, your wills, and your emotions. And when you do that, guess what you'll possess? Some good old peace. <laughs> Some good old peace. There's nothing like it. Look at that next point. What's the opposite of peace? Worry. As we just read the scripture today out of Mark 4, Jesus is talking about the, the thorny soil, the, the crowded place. It said that worry comes to steal the seed of a crowded heart. Worry is your number one opponent to somebody who's living with a crowded heart. And so when worry consumes our thoughts, will, and emotions, that's our heart, it chokes out the word of God. It chokes everything good that God wants to do in your life. Instead of praying about everything, we worry about everything. And the fruit of peace is choked out of our lives. Worry chokes out the word of God. Worry chokes out your faith. When you worry, you're not living in faith. And I get it. We're human. But th there's a difference between, okay, I'm dealing with this worry about my kids or this bad health report for a loved one or for myself or you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, keep my job or if I got this thing looming over me or I'm trying to restore this relationship. There, there's a difference between, between like, seeing that and worrying about it and then also just like it just consumes your whole life. Living in it as Pastor Jessica says up here. God wants you to transform that worry into something positive by prayer. If you have that much energy and that much time to devote to worrying about it, why don't you turn the tables on the devil and say, no, I'm going to believe. Jesus said, I believe it's in Matthew. Ah, forgive me. I forget the address. It's probably in all the Gospels, actually. He talks about the sparrows. And how they don't have to worry about food because God provides. He talks about the lilies and how beautiful they're dressed. He says, in the same, don't worry about these things, what you will eat and what you will drink and what you will wear. Because God is for you. Don't let the enemy creep in and get you to worry and steal that seed. This is the thing. I, I believe this, that we live in a, a crowded heart society. Because I believe we're straight up addicted to worry. We are addicted to worrying. Living out the scenario over and over and over. Ah, oh, that, that didn't end bad enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live this one out. Oh, that's bad. That's, oh, it could be worse. Oh, God, what if that happens? Oh, what if they don't really like me? Or what if they really believe that about me? We're addicted to worry. Well, what would happen if we were addicted to prayer? Church, are you addicted to prayer? I bet if you're addicted to prayer on a daily basis, you would worry about nothing and pray about everything. If you're here today worried about everything, it's probably because you're not praying enough. It's going to take more than 30 seconds once a day and 30 seconds before each meal. You probably drive somewhere to work. Average says 15 to 35 minutes. I try and make my drive to work every day where I get right with Jesus. Turn the radio off, distractions off, focus my thoughts on God. On the way home, 
And then prayer, when everything pops up, you know, life just happens. Things happen throughout the day. You're like, Lord Jesus. Look what Philippians 4 says. I'll read 6 and 7 for today. It says, don't worry about anything. But what? What does it say? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Then you will experience God's what? Peace. Weren't we just talking about peace a second ago? If you're following along, highlight that word. If you're watching online, put that in the chat, peace. I'll expound on that here in a moment. It says, which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace, and get this, will what? Guard your, what's that last word? Hearts. What are we talking about today? Hearts. Okay. And our hearts are our mind and emotions. If you haven't wrote that down yet, you're behind the eight ball. Write that down so you don't forget. Your heart is your mind, your will, and emotions. But he says, guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So, Pastor Ian, you say, don't worry about anything and pray about everything. And I say, yes. I don't say that. The Bible says that. And I'll say, if you really want to have peace, and if you really want to be done with worry, and you want to be done at being addicted to worry, if you can be addicted to prayer, you can have real peace because the pathway to peace, the pathway to guarding my heart is actually through prayer. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your, for it determines the course of your life. So before I get off to worry and before I get to get crazy, living in la-la land, living this out, negative state of mind, daydreaming about this, daydreaming about that, if I can remember to give God praise and give him some prayer, I'll probably have peace. What's, well, guard my heart and it says, give me things that I can't even understand. You're praying about the thing. It hasn't happened yet, but as you wait, you can have peace. You're praying about the relationship. It needs to be restored. It hasn't happened yet. But as you wait, you can have, I can have peace if I pray. So let's pray. Who's done with being in a relationship with worry today? Let's do this. Put your hand out like this. Tell your neighbor, say, hey, I'm about to drop this thing. There you go. Let it go. Worry about nothing and pray about everything. Look at the next point. So Jesus said that worry will come to steal the seed. And guess what else he said, which was kind of weird. Did y'all pick up what he said? He said, the, the lure of wealth. We spend a lot of time worrying about our wealth and possessions and things. Jesus was trying to teach something that, that worry and wealth kind of go hand in hand. Look what it says. So when the lure of wealth consumes us, consumes our hearts, our thoughts, minds, will, and emotions, we become a slave to the spirit of mammon. The desire to build our kingdom chokes out the fruit of God's kingdom, excuse me, in our life. So a crowded heart is the result of what? Throw something at me. Social media is a good answer. A crowded heart is really the result of not putting God Every time I fail to put God first in any compartment of my life, every 
we got lots of areas in our life. You got lots of areas of your heart. You can put God in your relationship area, and then you can put God last in your, give me something. <laughs> Finances, good answer. We're talking about wealth. So God's number one in your relationship, but you ain't giving him a cent in your daily walk. He asked for the tithe, and you haven't given him a cent. But Jesus is number one. But you can't give him 10% of your check in faith. Right? So a crowded heart is the result of not making God number one. And this often leads to, if you do this long enough, it leads to that worship of other things. Did you know that you can worship money and possessions? So Jesus is saying, if you don't prepare the soil for my word and prepare your soil of your heart, of your life for my word, you're going to worship possessions and your bank account and other things. And you'll make those things number one. Where Jesus says, I want to be number one. The worship of money and possessions distracts us from worshiping God. And what does it do? It gets you focused on building your kingdom. God needs your heart right so you can fulfill your purpose. And part of your purpose as a child of God is to grow the kingdom of God. And as long as I'm chasing wealth and possessions and this business idea that I didn't pray about and that business idea or his business idea, then God's kingdom is not manifested the way he wants it manifested. Look at Luke 6, excuse me, Matthew 6, 24. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Did you know that? One, one takes precedence. I love God enough to, to say my house, my car, my, my bills. Now, you need to be a responsible steward of those things that he's given you. You still got to keep them up in working condition. But at the end of the day, if, 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 if you say if you lose one of those things and your life is, is a mess internally because... You, your cars broke down? Our cars broke down, by the way, right now. That's <laughs> so all I was kind of dealing with. That. Like, Lord, like, it's, it's another thing I got to do, another thing I got to fix. And he's like, well, am I number one? I said, yes, you are. Well, then don't worry about it. Amen. I know a good mechanic. His name's Junior Babb. He comes to our church, and guess what? I'm going to let him come take a look. And then maybe God sees that he has a need, and guess what? I'm going to financially bless him for doing a work. If you do a work for the kingdom of God, you'll be a blessing to others. That was a rabbit trail, but that was for somebody today. See your work as an opportunity for God to get the glory and for you to bless somebody else by doing the thing that you do good at, right? And so look at that next scripture. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered away from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If the love of money and other things takes God's place, my heart's been defiled. And the only thing I can do is repent, ask forgiveness, and say, God, forgive me. And he's just to forgive you and just say, God, vacate that place with your spirit. Help lead me, guide me, restore me, pick me up, dust me off, and he'll do that. <clears throat> Look at that next point. 
Last thing that Jesus said in Mark 4 was, so he said, worry and the lure of wealth, and then he said other things that consume us, right? When the desire of other things consume our thoughts, will, and emotions, we become weighed down by the things of this world. The distraction of the world chokes out the fruit of God's purpose in our lives. This is what I know about a crowded heart. I'm going to leave you with this. A crowded heart produces a broke back. Anybody ever broke their back? Pulled their back? When your back hurts, everything hurts. You can't do anything. But a crowded heart leads to a broke back because we worry and we stress and we crowd all these things and I pile it on, and I pile this on, and I give me some of that. Give me some of that anger. Yeah, give me some of that jealousy. Oh, yeah, I'm struggling over here at work with this person. And you know what? Me and my wife are not doing real good. Give me some of that. And you know what? This is this whole Jesus thing, I don't know if it's going to work. And you know what? This person, is, is I can't get enough of it. I pile it on, and before I know it, I'm about to die. And it's because I've crowded my heart to look like that unuseful garage. I say I have a full life. I say I have a full heart, but it's not full. It's crowded. And God says, I want to begin to take it off. Come on, somebody. And purge your life and purge your heart. Not so that you can be a useful garage, but so that you can be my child of the most high. He says, why do you live like this? Why do you think that about yourself? Why do you think that about your brother and sister that love and care about you? Also, the enemy can come in, kill, steal, and destroy your peace and your joy how long as you kill and steal other people's peace and other people's joy. Look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. If you got a broke back, I got some good news for you. And I will give you rest, he says. Take up my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at what? At heart. But Jesus is strong enough for your junk. He's strong enough for the mess you've created. He's strong enough for the craziness that you continue to indulge in. He's strong enough to take a broke back and make it as straight as an arrow. To live in the fullness and the peace and the joy. And when you live that way, read that last point. This is what, what happens. We walk in obedience. And when he stirs your emotions, he gives us a zeal and a passion for his kingdom, for our faith, and for others. God's word takes root and produces fruit. You and I need the fruit of God. Your best friend needs fruit from you to help get them through the storm. They're bearing fruit, but you know what? Sometimes the best thing for your brother and sister is that they can pluck your fruit. That's how you love and encourage your brother and sister. You may not be strong enough right now, but guess what? I believe for you. 
Pluck some of my fruit. Come on, somebody. Come on, pluck some of my fruit. I'm in the trenches with you. I'm praying with you. I'm believing with you. You can't see it yet, but I got the faith for you. Don't judge them. Oh, you ain't got the faith to believe that. Oh, you ain't reading your word enough. Oh, you can't pray hard enough. No, come alongside them and say, hey, I got you. I believe with you. What can I do to help you? Let me pick you up and dust you off and give you a hug. Take some of my fruit. If you live this way, you will bear much fruit. Look at Proverbs 23, 26. It says, oh, my son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. When you live a life with an open heart, you take delight in doing what God said. You take delight in going and doing things the way that Jesus would go and do them. You take delight in the hurting and the broken and the lost and the discouraged. You take delight. An open heart is not a perfect heart. There's no perfect heart in this room. If you're striving for a perfect heart, you'll never, you'll never attain it. A perfect heart is an open heart. Y'all remember David? The only person in the Bible that says, a man after God's own. If you read and study about David, you'll see he was far from perfect. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. But if you read the book of Psalms, which he wrote most of, all of it, you'll see him. He repent over and over and over and over again. God, forgive me. And then he build himself up. Yo, though I walk to the valley of the shadow, if I will fear no evil. He was probably fearful. But what did he do? He twisted it. I'm not going to stay in fear. Lo, though I walk to the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Come on, somebody. And so... An open heart is not a perfect heart. Get that out of your mind. God's not want, he does not want your perfection. His son attained that for you. He just wants your obedience, your repentance, your continual repentance. You repent once, you have to repent 170 times seven, Jesus said. Your obedience and your passion for his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Can you all pray with me? As we close this message, I, I hope the Lord showed you something, taught you something. And so today, if you just want to make a, just a recommitment to say, God, you know what? Maybe I thought I was doing good, but maybe there's some things that, you know what? I don't want to hold on to more. I'm, I'm, I'm done worrying. I'm done being angry or jealous or bitter. And it's eating me up on the inside, God. And as I enter into Christmas season, I want to be full. I don't want to be crowded. I want to be full. And so if you say, that's my prayer today, I need you to pray for me. I want to be full today. I also want you to lift your hands up. No one's looking at you. Don't be shy. Don't be, look at all them hands. God, I thank you for these hands. And I thank you that every hand has a name. Every hand has a life. Every hand has a heart. Every hand has a mind, will, and emotion. I pray right now that you would just fill them supernaturally with your peace. I come against worry right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray they would not be addicted to worry, but they would be addicted to prayer. And when it gets hard, that they would hit their knees. When it gets hard, they would cry out the name of Jesus. God, and you'll give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for those hands. Last thing I want to do is if you're here today and you want to make Jesus number one, 
You do that by being born again and you, you say, you have to repent from your old ways and your old life and you just say, I want to make you Lord of my life, Jesus. If you've done that, pray for the lost, please. If you've already made that decision. But if you're here today and you say, I've never done that, you're watching us online, you're in a sanctuary, and you want to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, you want to be in relationship with him, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you want to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to do something, not for me, but for God. If he's speaking to you and he's dealing with your heart, what I want you to do is right now, I just want you just to stand up. What do you got to lose? You've done everything your way. It ain't worked out the best. God says, try it my way. If you want to submit your life to Christ, pray to God. Somebody standing. Just say, I want to commit my life to God. Amen. Thank you very much. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat to tell us if you're making that prayer. And I want to lead us on a prayer. I want you to know if you're standing, God loves you. God sees you. He sees the hurting and the broken. He sees the hard places, and he's going to soften those places in Jesus' name. He's proud of you. He's so proud of you. He sees your, he sees your sincere heart. He does. You're a part of the kingdom of God. I hope you know that. I want to lead us on a prayer, and y'all repeat after me. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We trust you. We believe in Jesus. We confess that he's our Lord and our Savior. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my past. Redeem my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came to church today. Feeling good? Feeling ready to stomp the devil? Praise God. But uh, y'all are dismissed, okay? Come back and see us next week. Bring somebody to church if you want. Enjoy your Sunday and be safe. Tell your neighbor, be safe.